Welcome to the Gooners Podcast, Season 7, Episode 47. It's an all-or-nothing special, and we almost have all of us here, but we don't have Owen, so essentially we have nothing. Welcome to the Gooners Pod. Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, five young men from various backgrounds, an Irish kid with a horrible haircut, a young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet, a child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more, a handsome advertising magnate with impeccable judgment, and a young Mexican AC Milan fan hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared, Mikey, Ewan, Magic, and Andy. And the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season... Welcome to the Gooners Pod. What the fuck is he adding stuff to the end of that? For? I, I, I just decided to play that. I don't know. Jesus Christ. Jared, hello. Welcome to the Gooners Pod. I'm just... How do we boot him out of the pod? You know... I add in soundboards. He texts me on the side saying, "Stop doing that. It ruins my flow." And I get ruins my flow. And then, um, and then he adds in these stupid videos. I like that he adds onto the end, but still keeps the photo of you that's taken in like 14p. That's like a camera from 1880. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, the, the the three things I like about that is the length. Number one, second is that he didn't even bother to find unwatermarked images, and then three, he just <laughs> took the last ten photos from his photo reel and put them into the. And I respect it because it it's does. On, it, it's on my list to to sprinkle in a little bit more of the three of you guys, but I need more pictures because otherwise you're going to end up with that picture of you getting your your U.S. citizenship uh, and the one of you. With their with your girls' coaching team, because I could put those in there if you want. No, it's, don't put it's those. on brand. I mean, you can put the you can put the citizenship in there. I don't, I don't care about that. You were like twice as large as you are now, but uh, that's true. That's true. But did, hey, did you cork up specifically because you thought that's what they would want to see from the new Americans? I I assume <laughs> that yeah, they would You're not hate me if I wasn't porky. <laughs> um, on, how do you how do you go upon that citizenship? What do you mean? Off, off air, off air. Yeah, yeah. My, my, Mike's actually asking for so, advice. So, Mike, you need to have <laughs> Was a that for a friend? You need to have a legitimate passport that wasn't drawn in crayon before you. <laughs> etched, it's etched in the sand when I pass by. Oh, well, also, this is our with second the 14th. Did it's you Friday drop night. this over the wall? The weekend is here. <laughs> And uh, we may not even get to the topic tonight, which is all or nothing, I think. 
if you haven't watched it, then you probably have no idea why I'm in Pepe's house. But uh, but this pod is essentially the Pepe's house of Arsenal podcasts. <laughs> That's a good so, point. Uh, so it's been a fun week. Mikey's going to lead us through all or nothing. Uh, because really that's what we're here. We have, now we've all watched the, the episodes. Mm-hmm. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jared, is your marriage me. still intact after the after the shenanigans I pulled on you yesterday? Still good. Still good. She Barely. forgave you? She she forgave you or you lied to her? No, no, I just said, you know how Mike is, and she was like, Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that she all, knows how I am. All funny. of our wives know you well enough to know, like, oh yeah, okay, we get it. If something bad happens in, in our lives, it's Mike's fault. That's pretty much the... I can right. go with that. Yeah. We're going to get the show on the road, gentlemen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, li- li- live chat, like Mikey uh, suggested, we are going to be reviewing 4, 5, and 6 on All or Nothing. So if you do not want spoilers, now's the time to exit. If you want a sneak peek... Or if you want a more entertaining that. version of watching it than actually ah, there you watching go. it. Our production value is, is greater Wait. than Amazon. I thought this was a watch along where we were going to watch the episodes and people were going to watch us watch the episodes. You haven't they watched have that. They have that apparently. Like you can do a watch party on Amazon. And I, yes. I, I thought about trying to figure it out. And then I was like, yeah. And then you realize none of your co-hosts actually watch it with you. Cause we well, all think that's a horrible idea. You know, how do we, how do we loop that into the show? Is it going to be fun? Like, are we all going to, I mean, like, how do you, how, it's bad enough that people do. I mean, why we we you know we started the watch along, Andy and I, uh, and now it's you know everyone just grabbed that from it's us. It's overdone. We've it's, done it, and it's overdone because it was stolen. The only way it would be fun is if it were like that. What was it called uh, on Sky Sports, uh, where where they had like the two opposing fans in the broadcast booth watching the game together, and you see the game on like the main screen, and then you see the two of them. Like pushing each other and bantering each other to hell. It was. It's the greatest show, and I and I never can find it anymore. But like you know, when a goal is scored, one of them just goes absolutely crazy and starts ripping his shirt off and like taunting the other guy because they're physically together. Uh, it's like a guy in an Arsenal shirt and a guy in the United shirt, and they're just they're they're killing mm-hmm. each other. That's the way to do a watch along. Anything yeah. short of that, you know, just seeing uh, Lee Judge's, you know, head bulge. Uh, in the middle of a, of a show is is you know while you can't tell what's actually happening on the screen isn't as fun I don't think Mm-mm. but this will be fun. I, I went to watch Arsenal Spurs at a random pub and it was like me a friend that knows nothing about football and there was actually there was two Spurs fans there and there was like nobody else and I'm like low key enjoying the game it finished two two I can't remember what year it was but every time they scored the two Spurs guys behind me were like. <laughs> obnoxious over the top like fuck yeah fuck fuck arsenal and i'm like no they're just trying to fuck with you mike don't don't even don't even look backwards like don't even look backwards i i enjoyed i enjoyed the my, my two beers and the football and, and i left but i, well, I could totally like forget, they were just laying it on because immigration officers were following you at the time and that, <laughs> that would have that would have been probable cause for them mm-hmm. so uh mm-hmm. you know, so okay, one time so- i say one time I say don't fight back against Spurs fans is when uh, is when you're being approved for something very special. I appreciate that, Mikey. All or Nothing, Episode 4. Mourinho gives his team talk. Harry Kane and Son... Oh, wrong All or Nothing. All right, so uh, four, four, five, and 6. You know, he wrote a bit. Wrote, 
Yeah. <laughs> Heavily rotated around the, the Alba situation leading up to the January transfer window. So we're going to, we're going to start off with the Alba conversation and Jared, there's a few comments that got recorded and it was essentially the conversation of how they were going to get out of terminating Aubameyang's contract. And they, they were going to talk to a lawyer and necessarily sound like they needed proof, so to say. Right. So enter the, the voiceover Arteta saying that he has a, a whole file. Like he goes, I have filed, I got dates, I got stamps. I'm, I have a case against them to move and, and make this decision. So part of me, the enemy, because as a, as a fan from the outside, we're just being told initially he got, he got, you know, kicked out of the team because he was late. But that little conversation that Ateta had made it seem like there's a ton of shit that it, that's been accumulating. So would you, as a fan watching the documentary, were you interested in hopefully deep diving a little bit more than just, Oh, Alba was late. It would have been interesting to hear what some of those other things were, if not just a, a laundry list of every time he's been late. But I think it speaks to more him having a little bit more of a me first attitude than Arteta tends to want in the players from what we've seen. And it, it did give you an idea that Arteta kind of saw this coming a little bit with his attitude that he was already keeping that sort of dossier of all the, uh, violations that he had he treats it as if you know it's a a business and he's running an hr department if you want to get rid of somebody you've got to have all your ducks in a row and all your documentation that support that move and then i still think a little bit we got bailed out in the end by barcelona uh with them being willing to take him on and and that was reflected in the phone call with edu when they said congratulations you know it's a good a good deal for you to edu and my thought was it, it really is and i was surprised that it went down the way it did but you know, I think we got pretty fortunate and especially it's easy to look back now and see we're in a much better place to say that. But yeah, we, we got pretty lucky and I did think it was interesting, but it, it shows you how detail oriented Arteta is and how he's a little bit over the top and a stickler for, for kind of everything, which isn't necessarily a bad thing when you're running a football club, but it just gives you a little insight, I think, into his personality and how, uh, attention to detail is definitely at the forefront of what seems like everything he's involved in. Yeah. He's intense to say the very least, but the other thing that I've noticed in the documentary is that, you know, Bamiyan didn't have an opportunity to talk and to, I'm going to say defend himself much to see, we didn't get his perspective, but with the documentary, it, it almost seems like he came off worse. So in my opinion, if there was any fan that might've given him the benefit of the doubt, He's on film of saying, for example, when I think there was another French footballer because they were, they were speaking the language, uh, suggested like, hey, when are you coming back? He goes, I don't know. He go, And then he followed up with, they asked me if I wanted to talk again. He just said no again. So signs, Mikey, in my opinion, that the club, you know, had the conversation, kicked him out of the team, stripped him from the captaincy. Wanted to progress the, the relationship, but it seems like at that point in time, how about just was out of it. Yeah, this whole thing was a was a, was a, a no-win situation in the short term for anybody. Um and you know, while we don't know how much maybe Abba content was cut out to fit the narrative, and there's a clear narrative here. I mean, I'm not you know, I'm I'm I I was always pro Arteta and Abba needs to go, you know, from from November December of last year when he pretty much fell out of favor. I I I wasn't on the fence on that one. And you could look at this as being, well, this fulfills and supports the narrative that 
and the thought process that he was just downing tools at Arsenal. Not that he was a, a washed up player, but that he just wasn't going to contribute to this team anymore. But I think the way that they did it was almost too one-sided. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just become so clear what the intent is here. And this entire, this entire thing is essentially a, a Arteta propaganda. Uh, it's, it's effective Arteta propaganda and it's working on a lot of people who I think were on the fence or possibly even negative. It's enhancing my respect and, and appreciation for him, but it's hard not just to point out the fact that it's, I mean, this is just the Arteta show. This, you know, every comment is about Arteta. Every thing works out in Arteta's favor, uh, or at least shows that he's, you know, working towards something. And, you know, it just, it, it, it's, the only frustrating thing about it is that there's there's really only one side to this, and that just tells you how much creative control Arsenal must have had over it. Yeah, which we kind of knew that going in. They would have a lot of the editorial discretion. But if you watch the previous seasons, the City one was very Pep-centric. The Tottenham one was very Mourinho-centric. So I think that's just kind of... Not necessarily in a great way, though. A little bit. <laughs> What's the that? Mourinho-centric part wasn't necessarily uh, to support him. <laughs> it was... I mean, it almost was like taking the piss out of him by letting him do the, you know, do his own work. Yeah, uh, but just in general, the manager is kind of the central focus of these shows, and it just kind of expands out from there. It seems like from the others we've. Yeah, but but Abba did do a massive. I mean, the 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 petulant move of just taking himself to Barcelona, I think actually was the greatest thing he's ever done for this football club outside of the FA Cup run. There were a few moments throughout, like, edits, and there was one where Arteta was on the training ground, and he, like, gets really animated about how the last 10 years this shit's been pulled and how it was, like, unacceptable. And I forget the quote, but that, like, resonated with me because I was like, oh, shit, like, as much as this, and I agree with everyone, it's very heavy in Arteta's favor but numerous times on different levels, they do talk about like the culture shift and things having to change. And I was like, that right there is the reason why. And obviously something happened right before that, that got him super animated and pissed off. And I wish we would have seen that. But I also think out of respect to Aubameyang, they're not going to shit on a player. Right. Um, so I, you know, I, I understand why. I mean, I think the dicey that we've ever seen, and I don't know if Mike, you saw the Spurs one, was when uh, Mourinho's in the in the his office with uh, I forget which player. I think Deli Alley, I think. Yeah, someone comes and just calls him out on his shit, and he's like, "I don't give a shit who you are," and it's like, "I'll just go to the 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 board," and then like a day or two later, he forces his move. Right, um, that was awesome, and like you know, it humanizes a lot of the Spurs players that we don't want to like. They don't want to demonize Aubameyang um, and, and tarnish his career. I'm going to go back to fucking four years ago when Drew Thompson was telling us in the TGT WhatsApp group, this guy will destroy his You're career. You're finally giving him credit for that. And he was saying it from the moment we were rumored with him. And petulance. He, he, said, he said he will do great things. But ultimately, it's going to be a disaster, and yeah. it's an unnecessary signing after Lacazette. That's what he was and called. It exactly how it was. Even the captaincy. 
Yeah, he did. And and the fact that, you know, the dude went to Barcelona and then they just outly lied to Edu on the phone. Like, oh, his dad lives there. Fuck off. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, Disneyland. I thought it was really interesting. I wanted a little bit more behind the scenes. But there were a couple other quotes in there where I think it was Garlic who said, um, this is the start of our rebuild. Right. This is the process starting. And that was kind of in the middle of this whole Obamiang thing. And that it, he was kind of alluding to the fact that, like, we can't go into January signing 11 players. That's not how it's done. That's a failure. So I respect that. There's uh, there was two people in the episode. I wanted to grab a screenshot. The first guy was sitting down talking to one of the players. And I'm, he was like a director, a non-executive director. Well, and I was like, Tim I, Lewis. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I want to punch this guy in the face. He was so annoying. Okay, first of all... I don't, I don't hate Tim Lewis now. I, I've met Tim Lewis. I like Tim Lewis. Tim Lewis has done a lot of good for the football club. For the it's show, it was just story. like... it. For the show, it was just like... It, like There was no reason for that to be in there. We don't get very far having you threaten the... the, the <laughs> basically, Cronky's right-hand man by punching him in the face. But, That's not Listen, Andy, Andy likes him... Just doesn't like his face. Completely different. It's yeah. No. No. Okay. The, okay. The, okay. I can. Right. The like yeah, having him face, on the show was just another like one of those like hey this will editorial look really good for like pumping up the narrative and I'm like this so maybe it's not Lewis's fault because he was just there and they probably told him like hey we need you to go and say these things right and then there was like some weird cat in the hallway with white hair did you guys see that with really large feet. I'll go back and screenshot what? it. We'll Gunner Soros? Is it old Gunner Soros? No, it was like... Um, Gunner Soros' like, grandpa? What, I feel like it. he's going to screen... Like he's going to Photoshop something now. Well, I'll find it. I'll find it. I was just like, this is bizarre. These are the, this is how you're watching the documentary. You're like, wait, there's an old guy with big feet. I don't I don't like this at all. Basically... <laughs> <laughs> Old guy, big feet. I wasn't looking at the size of anyone's what? feet on those on the on the on these three episodes. I am gonna work on, absolutely. But. I'm gonna work on finding this right now, and I'm gonna pull up a screenshot of it. <laughs> it is, if his guy, white feet, if dark. his white hair was curly, you might be talking about retired Ronald McDonald. Is my best guess at this point. <laughs> that's with the big feet. That's what you're describing right now. So, okay, so we we've covered. A good part of it, but you know, as far as Alba's reputation, I know I know that it's going to be very one-sided for Arsenal with with how the cut, the final cut's going to be. But Jared, if if there were some fans out there that loved himself some Aubameyang, and you know, were maybe maybe loved Aubameyang more so because they didn't like the manager so much, but even in, in light for that fact, taking off to Barcelona without permission, refusing to talk, you know, um, it. It seems one-sided, but I don't. I'm trying to figure out what could possibly Albania have done to come out looking good in this situation for the whole club to treat him that way, and not only for him to take off to to the extent where I do had to reach out to his agent again and say, "We need to figure this out." Like they they effed off, zero communication when he was supposed to be training. Like if you're an Arsenal fan sitting there, you have to feel like you disrespected the club, yeah. Yeah, and I understand why people sort of take Alba's side in this. It was very much set up. It kind of was the case, but also in the public sphere that it's Mikel versus Obama Yang. And when there's already a lot of people at the time who weren't huge on Arteta, it sort of strengthens their, you know, love for Obama Yang and that side of the argument. And he's also, he scored almost 100 goals for the club. He absolutely won us an FA Cup. So there's a lot to be a fan of. I'm not 
hating on people at all for supporting him. He was he was great for a time at Arsenal. It just came to an end in a in a way you wouldn't want. As far as him just popping up in Barcelona unannounced to the team and missing training and things like that, he probably looked at it as the way he could force his hand and, and get a move there that he wanted. But I think it also highlights, you know, a personality trait of exactly why we were in the situation we were in. You know, he kind of has that attitude of what he wants for himself is paramount potentially over what the club wants for everyone. And it just kind of shown there. But, you know, I don't fault people for supporting him leading up because there's a lot of people that are huge Alba fans. And I don't, you know, I don't hate on him for that at all. But, you know, he certainly doesn't come out looking great. But as a player, you kind of know how these things play out. He's not the first person to be in a similar situation. And, you know, sometimes you have to take a little bit of a, a PR hit, if you want to call it that. You have to do something people won't love in order to get where you want to go in the end. And that's exactly what he did. And, and honestly, it worked out good for both parties after it was all said and done, in my opinion, at least. He pulled a Peter Odemwingi. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, he, he pulled like a like a trans channel, like continental Peter Odemwingi, which is which is hilarious. But I mean, I think, you know, it, it's different with Ozil because there are literally people who just followed Ozil everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. With the Balmiang, I, I think almost everybody that, that supported him through this entire thing was doing it specifically as an example of why they thought Arteta was not capable. I mean, the two were in just intrinsically linked there because, you know, most of the people, and there, there are a few that I that, that I could name if I wanted to right now on, on Facebook and on Twitter who just, you know, they, they cut they kept using that and using it and using it and talking about, you know, when Aubameyang started banging in goals for Barcelona at first. And by the way, he didn't keep it up. Uh, but when he started banging in goals at first, it was like, you know, Arteta couldn't get the best out of him. Well, you can't get the best out of someone who just isn't going to perform. You, you, if the, I mean, that's what down tools means. You can't just force someone, hey, go pick up those tools. Uh, you know, it's you, the guy wasn't what he used to be because he didn't want to be it anymore. And you can't coax somebody out of that. You can't coach somebody out of that. You can't man manage somebody out of that while maintaining your authority with the rest of the team, which is what the whole Pep, you know, Casa de Pepe thing was about. Like, and he's right because while they're reforming the structure of the team, the age profile, the 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 you know flexibility of positions, the the giving everything for each other, team atmosphere, you cannot have even the hint of different rules for different people, whether it's your captain or not. And you have to be, if anything, maybe a little over the top with that, which I think probably did happen with Aubameyang. I mean, I don't think he. I, I think it's mostly just being late and not you know, not seeming to to really have the leadership that you would have expected out of a captain. I doubt he did anything seriously wrong other than just repeated lateness, which is, you know, I know someone who's always late for something. It isn't about not being able to be on time. It's about total disrespect. And, I, I and that's... Just nail on the head there. Well, yeah, and, and that's and what that's, it is, is. When you have to write, like, okay, so let's say Mike is late for a podcast and it's five times in a row. Like you could say like a handful of times when it gets to the point that you have to start actually documenting it onto a piece of paper. So when you go to the board who clearly didn't want Obamiang and then Arteta opens up and they go, 
oh shit, this isn't just a handful of times. Like there has been a lot like that in my mind. I was like, holy shit, like how big is this dossier that he I want to see the dossier on Gwen Doozy though? That's the <laughs> one I want to see. I mean, imagine if this was a year earlier. This the whole fourth, fifth, sixth episode would have been about Gwen Doozy, but like we, guys, we will not guys, bad mouth Gwendo. Did you guys kind of get the vibe that um you love your curly haired big footed white haired people? Did you guys kind of get the vibe that they throw in every now and again like some hey we're gonna shit on the fans because there'll be like a like a, a random like um like interview or voiceover with uh like our ten on obama need to get along like the manager's at fault i can't believe he's doing this and then like three seconds later it's like arteta being like so there's gonna be shit hitting the fan but i've got a huge folder of shit he's done wrong ready to take to the board you know and like um I forget the PR guy's name where he was like, Hey, prepare yourself. Like this is, no, no, this is the Marcadella show, by the way. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Th- this so is that- the only person that features on this, on this show more than Mikel Arteta is Marcadella. Yeah. But you know, when he like preps Mark with like, Hey, you know, this story is going to be bad. And Mike, we've met Mark. Like he is very diligent with how he presents stories to the media and the press. Oh, oh, he, he's and, very, well. Um, I mean, you may not like how he is all the time, but he's very, he's protective of the team. Right. He's very passionate. Yeah. And I also thought it was interesting that Mikel kind of uses him as a confidant as they're walking around, you know, and like, yeah. it doesn't seem like they're on an Island by themselves. Like everyone is part of this group. Um, you know, but anyway, so I'm still trying to find that the weird white guy. Hold on. The weird white guy. All right. Good luck finding the weird white guy. I, I am staring at two of them right now. I and... love but 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 what I what I found most interesting, I guess, and, and the part that we, you know, maybe there were some reporting on this, but not necessarily that strong, was the the gap between the board and Adu and Garlic. And Arteta on on having to reintegrate him back in the team. I mean, I think they were all under the un, under the impression they wouldn't be able to move him in January, and because of that, you couldn't just pay him, not, you know, to not play, and then have a whole another year on the contract as well. So, but I mean, Arteta was was here, and they were there, and Arteta won that. <laughs> he did. He kind of got forced into it, but I, I thought that was interesting. They included that conversation where Edu, you know, says to Vini and Garlic that you have to understand the relationship downstairs is, is zero. So it wasn't a case of people making more of it than what was there in terms of there being a riff between Arteta and, and Alba. You know, you heard it right from the horse's mouth. He said the relationship is, is absolutely zero. So, you know, you, you kind of never really know exactly what's going on until you've got a camera in the room and they tell you exactly what was going on at the time. And, you know, you can say Arteta came out the winner, but sort of like you alluded to earlier with, you can't coach someone who's not willing to do it anymore. There was the clip of Arteta saying, you know, when I look in his eyes and I can tell that that there's a fracture there, I know at that point for me, there's no going back from it. And and that's probably what won out in the end and and probably rightfully so as well. You know, it's funny that like Jared and Mike have mentioned uh, that they're coming out looking like the winner. And I, and I, I sarcastically, I guess, keep on thinking to myself, just waiting until the final two episodes, gentlemen, the shit's about to hit the fan. And I keep on thinking to myself, how, how are they going to post the fan reaction there? Uh, and that, I'm, I'm generally looking forward to that. So uh, speaking about just public. What, well, what if they, they, what if they just create this narrative that the top five is the, is the Champions League and try to convince people that I would like, love we that. made it? I would <laughs> just, absolutely love Just completely that. rewrite history in the documentary. Well, I mean, speaking about rewriting history, I'm not going to say they, they rewrote history, but I'm going to say they uh, 
they pushed aside and or hid a little bit of history because they as much as the these episodes revolved around Abania and his exit and the the bad relationship he had with, with the club and Ateta, what they didn't talk about was any links, any reason why they chose not to. There was a small clip of somebody saying that they weren't planning because of the big outlay of money that they already had during the summer. So the plan was that Aubameyang was going to be here for the whole season. But they never discussed the, we're going to lose Aubameyang, plus we're mm. choosing not to bring anybody in. Now, maybe they tried to hint at that with the fact that, you know, they were clicking down the, the clock and they, well, you know, yeah, they got I mean, the like, paperwork done like, a, like you know, 10.59 a minute before it happened. So maybe that's, their I way mean, in those days before the, in those days before the deadline, you know, we were all the the buzz amongst us as fans was: Are we going to overpay for Isaac? Are we, you know, are we going to make a move for some, you know, for another striker? Are we going to bring someone on loan? And and when you juxtapose that now to, they really did not appear to think that they were going to be able to get rid of Aubameyang and his and his wages. Well, and and frankly, they didn't get rid of his wages for last year. They got rid of his wages for this year, but so yeah. you know, I suppose bringing someone in on loan didn't have to depend on getting rid of Aubameyang necessarily. But you know, it just seems like the focus was so much on that, and and you know, I've said all along that you know, and and, and Adu pretty much in his interviews down in Orlando, which I weren't wasn't invited to, but all of my colleagues were, my colleagues. Um, he pretty much said, you know, we were ahead of the pace. We didn't expect to be where we were. And it was important for us to stay on the schedule so that we could, you know, have, you know, be in a bigger shopping mall over the summer, get what we really need to build a long-term situation and not just get back in these situations where we where were too crowded at a position because we made a short-term move. So they gambled, they lost uh, by not adding to the team. Potentially they lost. I mean, who's to say we, add and we still don't finish fifth or we still finish fifth but um you know it, they didn't cover it that much but i think that's just because of the level of involvement that the zabamiang narrative had on it it's just all consuming too too much i think two and a half episodes out of eight was a lot i i'm still naive enough to think that we could have pulled it off with a little bit more luck on the injury front and um i know that's being very very optimistic but i do believe party's injury was a big defining moment that that kind of rocked the boat yeah i mean for the year last year games party started versus games he didn't we averaged a full one point per game more in the games we had him versus the games we didn't and he misses eight or nine games in the end i mean that's that right there is literally the difference between you know where we are now and making champions league so i don't think you're really yeah, out there at all to say the party injury was the the catalyst for not making it because i think that's the case too yeah Dubsek is, is right i mean they, they i'm sorry they they didn't the plan they gamble by sticking to the plan in a sense which which that's is a good point yeah you know if if you mm -hmm. are like shockingly ahead of pace on on uh you know on some sort of long-term goal you know do you kind of veer off of your plan to to just try to get that um and and they really showed restraint in not doing that, which I think in the long run will will help us. I what I was what what I don't think people understand about last year was that there was always going to be a big targeted summer of recruitment, whether we had the extra eighty million pounds from Champions League or not. Uh, you know, making Champions League wasn't gonna wasn't gonna cause us to spend two hundred and thirty million over the summer. 
uh, instead of 150, it was still going to be 150, whether we had that money or not, because that was the plan that, that was how they forecasted. So, and that's what a lot of the salary cutting and taking bitter pills on transfer fees has been about was creating the opportunity to have two summers in a row where we lead maybe the, the world, if not just the Premier League in spending uh, as of now. So, you know, but that's, I think that's why they didn't cover it so much. It's because they were just really never, other than Vlahovic, which was over within three days uh, at the beginning of January, despite what people like, like to think. Um, you know, I don't really think they were seriously in for anybody. So, all right. So we've kind of, Andy spoke about not only just the transfer window in Alabama, but the perception that the fans have versus reality. And one that really struck me was the perception of Arteta from a lot of fans was um, somebody that instructed the team potentially to sit back after scoring goals. And I know the documentary is, is slightly aired or is aired towards Arsenal's favor here. I don't think Arteta reamed everybody every single game when they played like shit for the camera. So I'm going to, I'm going to safely say, I, I assume that's how Arteta is. We, you know, at the beginning of, I think it was episode five where he just started giving everybody shit saying that they had five minutes to, to do the standards. I think he dug out Balogun, you know, by name. Uh, I think it was around the Everton Forest game. I think he also pointed out that uh, Ramsdale, or, uh, sorry, Tavares when he got hooked. So, are you at all surprised about it that there's like level of intensity at this rate? Because he he he's very calm and composed for the most part. Like I could only think of him losing his shit once doing a press conference. Where I forgot the game, maybe the Martinelli double yellow, but he was proper pissed off and you know often just continuing on his theory about not being Casa de Pepe and you know having standards at the at the club. Uh, did that catch you off guard at all, Andy? Or for the most part, did you think? he was going to be a little bit more mellow. No, it didn't catch me off. I think, <clears throat> I think Arteta, what I, I think he's very, uh, obviously he's like a tactical masterclass. So for me, I think he only gets angry at the team when they fail to put in the tactics that he's put on the board for them. And uh, like when they go into the Liverpool game, I think they kind of knew like, Hey, we don't have really a chance. So I just want you to go out and have a good night, you know? And he came off and said, listen, we were the best team between the two boxes and that's where we failed. And I think he probably would have gotten angrier if they had failed in other places. I think it was the forest match where he came out and he was fucking furious and he was going into like, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. So I think for, from my perspective, Arteta seems like that manager who gets angry when the team don't put in, the effort with the tactics that he's kind of said, like, here's what we're going to do for the match. If we go in and we lose, we play well, he, he sees growth. I don't think he's going to get angry. So, um, and, and any good manager shouldn't, right. If you watch the man city all or nothing, Pep was the same way, you know, he would walk away from matches being like, we did everything that we planned on doing. And we still lost. So what, what can I do? I can't pitch the team out. Um, yeah. So, and I think you're spot on, especially with the Forest game, because this, the piece they show right before that is when he had been out for COVID and he comes back and says, I watched the video of training. And he said, and there's a handful of guys that if I was there, you would have been gone immediately because nobody goes for the second ball. There's no that worry about losing game, it. Right? Yeah, and then when like, you go to the FA Cup game, you don't do those specific things he just told you about and you lose one nil. 
And he even says, when you make those mistakes in a game that you allow in practice, it's a goal. And then, you know, immediately it turns around and it comes to fruition in a really negative way. But I think it speaks to Andy's point that, of course, he's going to be mad about that. It's literally the the primary focus of what he just said to you. You turn around, do the exact opposite and get a bad result. I mean, wh- what do you expect? Of course, he's going to be upset about that. Yeah, I was really yeah. impressed with the whole uh, way he managed. Uh, I, I, like I said, I, I thought he was going to be a little bit more calm about the whole situation, but I mean, he's very vocal. He loses his his, uh, his voice a whole lot. But, you know, throughout all this screaming, he does say, I shouldn't have to scream at you guys like this. You guys are better no. than this. So he does try to motivate them as much as he can. Mikey, were you going to cut in? No, uh, I was just going to agree with everyone. Awesome. You'll, you'll Jared just was shocked that I said no, I wasn't going to cut. Mike's I mean, I, just happy just because I made a noise doesn't mean I had anything to say. <laughs> Mike's just happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> skate Looking for why Andy looks for the curly haired man with big shoes. I tried looking crap. twice and then I was like, I'm not adding anything to this, but I am going to find him. I'm going to use a, a set of skills that I have. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's in the running I order. Hope find you. I, I don't know if it's in the running order, Mike. I, I, but while I was scrolling through twice, I kind of came upon the Lacazette Ramsdale moment. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but Ramsdale was sitting in his cubicle, just like upset and pissed off. And Lacazette After the pool game, and, right? Yeah. And Lacazette came over and said something to him, which was cool. But then, like, slowly circles back with, like, dude, are you okay? And that, to me, like, kind of I, – I gained a lot of respect for Lacazette because he was given the captain's armband. And for a long time, I'm like, are we just giving him the armband so he doesn't feel really shitty that we've just sold his best friend? But it was kind of neat to see him, like, acknowledge, like, yo, this guy's in a space right now where I should probably go back and just adjust, like – well, check man. on him and i was like that was really nice and like they're teammates right they should be doing that but there were three or four other players that walked past ramsdale without saying anything you know <laughs> and i was like and they, and they you know they they cut it off before the penetration but uh, yeah i was i was laughing at this call. <laughs> <laughs> well played daniel uh, you don't know we don't have many on, we don't have many listeners but they know us really well i love them yeah don't triple captain the the player who's going to score all the goals against you <laughs> yeah that's a really interesting point yeah that that one came after the, the liverpool loss where it was a well fought for a solid 50 60 minutes and i mean we we dominated liverpool for a big part of that game but yeah unfortunately the goal i think with jota because who else scores against us from that liverpool team it was a near post goal and so anytime you get beat in the near post as a goalie i'm sure you're feeling kind of dummy and so yeah he handled that loss really hard and that's something that they, they kind of opened up to, like you, you're viewing, like, you know, Granit Chaka's wife spoke about it. We saw the, with the how Aaron Ramsdale acted. And, you know, I, I know it's really easy to have the p- public perspective of they don't fucking care. They're going to get paid and they're going to leave. But I do truly believe that the locker room is slowly gaining more and more of those players with the type of mentality that if they lose, they're going to be pissed. And as a fan, I mean, that's kind of what you want to see, right? You want to see. You can't have. You want to know that they're hurting, like you're hurting after a bad loss. Yeah, and I, th- I think Ramsdale came across really good in that regard too. And I think it was in the first three episodes actually, when they were talking about him. And it was a, I think a three nil game that they gave up a late goal, and he was just furious over it that not Burnley, just losing the clean sheet, or, 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 uh, but yeah, I forget. I forget who it was. Uh, it was a. It was like a non super impressive win, but it was mm-hmm. a clean sheet. 
until uh, until it was lost. Maybe Brighton, I can't remember. Yeah, but he made the point. He said, you know, in a in a tie game or a one nil game, it actually matters. You can't turn off for a second, or you're going to have a, a negative result somewhere down the line. And I thought that spoke a lot to his character, and probably a reason he's so well liked by the management is that that's a winning attitude. That you're not just looking at this moment for what it is. That you're looking at what it means in the broader sense for the team, and understanding that you can't let off at any point until you hear the final whistle. And that's something I think we've probably lacked in the past from some of our previous players that they're kind of getting away from. But I thought that moment for Ramsdale made him look pretty good. So I one out of your goalie though, right? I mean, not oh, seeing sure. we didn't see enough out of um, enough out of the team. But like I, you know. I played keeper and I remember just recently we were playing in an adult men's league and there was like five minutes left in the game. We were playing a team that had like Hawaiian shirts on and one of the guys looked like Ron Jeremy and like they, they had like one or two good players, but they were just there for a good time. With like five minutes left, I was like, yo, like we're up three nil. I want the shutout. And obviously the team know what that means because it's that next goal, but you know, my team started taking shots on me. So like I would let in a goal in the last couple of minutes. So we did get the shutout just for jokes. But it's like, if you're, if you're a, a goalie and a defender, like that is then the next, like aside from the win, that's your next big thing, right? As a striker, it's, Hey, we win one, nothing. I scored that goal. I got the assist. That that's, that's a big thing. And then you also got to remember like, you know, Ramsdale, White, all these players, they have bonuses tied into that. So when you're two, three minutes left in the game and you have a $30,000 shutout bonus, maybe you get 10 of them in a season. Like, that's a lot of money. Like, you'd be pissed off as well. And, and you know, I hate to bring the financial part of it in, but it's true. Like, can you imagine, like, like, like Lacazette comes over and it's like, no, man, really, what's going on? And he's like, I just lost 30000 <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it could be that. Who knows? <laughs> 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 they edit that out. But they would edit that in. That would have been great. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Sebi can like put that in a deep fake. The, um, the Mike's uh, gonna read deep fake the whole all or nothing series. <laughs> <laughs> the dressing room has to be able to not just be upset after a loss. Being upset after a loss doesn't doesn't help you do better the next time. It's it's like be angry and go through these stages. Then then like have a, a you know a, a small group or a group discussion and a decision about you know how to improve upon that and you know on the next day's training these guys are like okay well now we kind of know what we need to do and that's where you, you kind of miss a little bit of the veteran leadership you know because those Barcelona teams not you know not the, the the financially cheating ones but like the the players in the glory days they would they didn't need a coach they didn't need Pep they needed him but they didn't need him like all the time because they would have their own self-regulation of that. And and I think you're starting to see some of that. Although in some cases, and I don't know if this, uh, I, I didn't see this on the, on the, on the thing, but the Jaka Saka thing, um, which, you know, we, Andy and I know that we, uh, we had a kind of a strong opinion from our friend Tom Rosenhammer in our, uh, in our kind of Denver, Washington chat. Um, about what that was all about, whether that was all good natured, whether it was a little passive aggressive, or whether it was flat out uh, blame game. But like, not to take over, Mike. But what did you what did you think of uh, of that little quote unquote confrontation with smiles? With uh, I well, I th- I think I think Shaka was being genuine and saying this is the reason I was there and this is the reason I had to do it, and Saka laughed it off like you're out of your goddamn mind 
So I, I think Sokka. So that's a disconnect then. That, that's saying that they weren't yeah, on the same page. Dude, that, that's how I viewed it, to be honest with you. Because like Sokka kept on saying, like, no, I'm covering to do Waka Waka. And Sokka's like, you're crazy, bro. You know, I had to do this. And Sokka was like, dude, that was going to happen regardless because I was on this side of the field. And I, I think that only annoyed Shaka more in a way. Like I almost say, I think he started off, somebody questioned him. I forgot who questioned him. Somebody would, you know, it was like Lacazette and somebody else in the in the training room. They questioned him and he was justifying his position, not the fact that he threw a flying kick trying to detach the ball, which which I still feel hard done by, by the way. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that in there where I do kind of feel like well, because I, I feel like other players would get the benefit of the doubt because Shaka never laid eyes on what is it, Jota? Or I mm-hmm. forgot who he never laid eyes on him. His his eyesight was always the ball. He swung, he missed, he made contact. Nah, now well, there was contact. I understand. No, <laughs> no, I under no, I understand what you're saying. But again, and, and this is the, the, the horrible thing with, with how inconsistent the referees are, is based on other decisions it lends me the, well, if that was somebody else, that might have not happened. Similar to the yellow card that he received the first game of the season. I, I could say that, and, you know, during that game, uh, my, my friend, my co-host, Kelly, you know, he pointed out that every time somebody dived, Shaka was looking at the ref like, how about that one? Are you going to get a card for that one? So he was yeah. in the ref's ear all game after that. But it's, as a fan, it's really difficult to see those type of inconsistencies. So... I think there's right. truth to both players, right? Like, I, for me, that was all banter. I think there was passive-aggressive banter. But we talked about it in the group because I remember uh, in one of our groups, like, someone blamed – was like, I can't believe we're blaming soccer for the goal against Liverpool. And I was Lordos. And he wasn't saying it in a negative way, but I was like, but Lordos, if you go back and you watch the play – because Saka decided to just kick the ball up and it takes an unfortunate bounce on a Liverpool player, it like our entire team were moving forward. So when the bounce came behind the defenders, everyone was pushed up. It was like a two-second bad luck where the Liverpool players were onside. They got to go shoot and score a goal. So I do agree with Xhaka where he's like, hey, if you guys are all up, the only person back is me. Like I'm fucked either way. Mm-hmm. And what am I supposed to do? I'm not a defender, so I'm going to foul him. And he was correct that if he doesn't foul him there, he's clean through and scores and makes yeah. it 1-0 and we I mean, don't more, get anything out likely, of the game. More than likely. Yeah. 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 And I mean, yeah, that's not a justification. That wasn't in his head that like, hey, I'm going to do this so we can save a 1-1 draw. Right. And but someone yelled back, back to him correct. like, maybe you should have a cooler head. And again, that's true, right? You like, I don't know if you guys have siblings, but like there are arguments you have with your families that you say shit and you mean it and it's mean, but it's like, Hey, this is kind of how you work it out. I don't think they were arguing. I think it was all smiles and just banter, but you know, again, the editing was funny. Um, but there's mm-hmm. going to be people with an agenda against Jaku who are like, Oh, it's just him being a fucking asshole. And sock is like perfect. And we don't like, he can't do anything I, wrong. Well, he can, he can. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a pretty interesting. It was one of the only like passages where like, it, it wasn't almost understood how you were supposed to feel about it. Like it left, yeah. it left the ability to interpret it in two different ways, as opposed to everything else, which is like, you know, here's the narrative and here's what we're showing you, for, you know, to, to fit that narrative. So, I mean, you know, that might be the one, you know, mistake that, that Arsenal apps accidentally <laughs> let slip through the cracks from their 
perfectly sculpted, uh, you know, PR move there. But no, nah, I think that was in there on purpose. So on uh, you... on on the PR move, as you as you referring to it, Mike, like did did the segment that they had specifically on Shaka, his home life, how his wife spoke about, you know, how he handles the losses, did that do anything for you? Because I know I know you've been on the you're not the biggest Shaka fan. Put it that way. So, uh, no, I'm, I, I'm. You're not. I, I, you're not I, abusive, and you don't hate him. But you're not. You're not. You would be. I'm well, say you don't know how old. I am in my private life. But. <laughs> One of the. Well, there's a rodent Twitter account out there that's just bad mouthing shock every day. Oh, oh, it's awful. Um, no, I. I mean, at, at this point, it's almost like I, I. I don't have any room to just keep going back and forth on him anymore. I mean, I. I is, is he good enough? Could he be improved upon on the pitch? I, I tend to stay out of that discussion. I think he's certainly very, very good at times and at other times not good enough. That You can say that about most people. Um, you know, as far as his personality is concerned, I don't know his background. I, given where he's from, I guess the background has some level of conflict and historical uh, issues uh, where – you know, it could shape a person's personality, but he, he seems very, very defensive a lot of the time, you know, and, and um, so, you know, I'm open to anything that humanizes him uh, because I think that's something that's important to have for any footballer is to, to humanize the person, even if it's in the, you know, the most delicately placed setting of a you know person's home with their adorable kids and the, and the wife and the, you know, and, and, and how crazy is it that we saw our Teddy's barbecue and not a uh, but you know, there. And it was I, in the background. I, I I'm just a, almost completely neutral about Jaka at this point. Um, it's you've got to be a. The next thing he does will sway me one way or the other. On you know, whereas at one point I was very very negative about him personally and did not want him associated yeah. with my club anymore. I, I'm now just kind of numb and neutral and and like if he can help the club then so be it because he's not going anymore. I don't. I have him in my first. fantasy team, so I'm rooting for him. <laughs> Maybe that would pull me off the fence. I need to start a fantasy <laughs> team, triple captain him every game, and 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 I'll probably end up hating him then. I don't think for a second that you can become a, prim- a Premier League player if you don't take your work home with you. There's not one player that plays on a top team that doesn't go home angry when they lose. We all know Ben White doesn't care for football, doesn't watch it, doesn't study it. But you can see how angry and upset he is after the matches when he's sitting in the locker room, you know, and he's just like perplexed. You can hate Jacques and you can love him, but you can't question his like. Um, I guess I'm. I can't. I'm. I'm having a brain fart. Dedication is worth. His dedication and passion. Yeah, you can't right. Like you know, he's our player. You got to support him when he has our shirt on. He is stupid. But he does bring it home with him. All these players do. It's stupid, is it? <laughs> you know. I've but never he, called but he's our the, stupid player. I've never called him. I've never said he was stupid. He's the Tim Lewis of uh, players. Oh, he's he's I mean, the guy the in the background is, with the big feet. I mean, as far as what Mike said, there's a couple things. One, I just think in general, he's a more serious human being than a lot of the other people are. Like the joking around of Ramsdale, Saka, those guys, which there's nothing wrong with. That's just not him. I, I don't get the impression that he likes to like joke around with the guys as much as everybody else. And then also for the past four years, probably every random person that's walked up to him has had something negative to say. And I think after that continually happening everywhere you go at all times, 
you're naturally going to be more defensive and not wanting to interact with those people and are going to seem a little bit more standoffish. And when you're already kind of that way by nature, it kind of looks a lot worse than it is in a lot of cases, probably. Yeah, he's not particularly media fan friendly trained. But then also Mm -hmm. when you see people that come off as being too much of that, you don't feel close to them and invested in them either. So, you know, it's, you know, Kobe Bryant with, you know, I mean, there's there's these guys who you're just like, this isn't really who they are. And you feel like Ramsdale, you just know who he is when he's upset, when he's happy, when he's joking, you feel like he's one of your mates. With Xhaka, you feel like he's just a guy who who will always look at you as the fan or critique or whatever. Uh, he'll look at you, critic, he'll look at you as the opponent. And and that's really the, the thing I feel about Xhaka is that he sees the fans as opponents. And I'm not... But he's I'm correct ignoring, about that about 95% of the time in reality. I'm not ignoring the, how that became the case, and I'm not yeah. blaming him for necessarily having that feeling um you know i i think he loves the football club i don't think he loves the fans um i and i think he feels truly an opposition and an oppositional relationship with arsenal fans which generalizes the the loud minority of abusive people and kind of puts it on everybody i feel like that's what he did that day against palace was he he he, he lifted the finger towards you know 10 million to 20 million people when when 50 to 500 uh, were to blame. And, you know, and, and that's, those have been my issues with him. But again, you know, I'd love to see the story end up nicely. I'd love to see him get a, a winner's medal for a, for a Premier League and then, you know, maybe move on to go back to Germany or, or an Italian team or something. And we, and we continue to improve and reload because he's getting up there, you know, in his late 20s anyway. And that's kind of something that you'd think the team would want to do in the next year or two anyway. So, um, you know, he's that's my thoughts. On it. He's 28 until he's 28. 28, and that's just, that's just way too old yeah, that's for me. Yeah, that's way too old, says the FIFA player. Uh, well, you know, way the funny part, the, the, the funny part is, you know, describing his uh, relationship with the fans is, wasn't he the one that, you know, kind of suggested that fans should be allowed to see the training suits for, for mm-hmm. them, for the fans to be able to see the players on a human being level, not just the player. I think, but that wasn't a magnanimous gesture. That was like, you know, Oh, they, they, you know, that was more of like us versus them ish in my opinion to say, you know what they, they make these assumptions about us, show them how hard we work to, you know, like, like, like again, he's treating the fans kind of like a, like a congruous single set of, of generalized people which I've always pushed back against because, you know, yeah, I believe best, individuals are individuals, but like, but, but, you know, I, it, it's hard though. Cause when you hear something, you, you're not saying, okay, well those that, you know, that section has four people that are booing me. This section has eight people. He's just hearing booze. So again, I understand both sides of it, but they're the ones that put them, you know, selves in the position to, to be uh, on social media, to be in front of people. And it kind of, that that's why I say media training and kind of, athletic training as much as is possible within the human construct i think they need to have a thicker skin on that sort of thing and he you know he doesn't brush things off it's it's us against him all the time and that's that's i guess my my issue with him but um speaking of conflict um gunner versus cancer is about the biggest conflict that you could possibly have 
because we are gooners and we don't like cancer very much. And as such, uh, we are doing fundraising on the 2nd of September um, at Ridley Road Social Club in E8. Um, it is a suburb of Hackney that for the life of me, every time we talk about this on a podcast, I cannot remember the actual stop. The chat always helps me out on this, but, uh, but it's, in, it's in Hackney. And, uh, and a lot of people that are in the chat already, Lynn's going, Mark's going, uh, Bobby Chakrabuti is going. I'm very excited about this, but we, we got to start filling up these seats. So um, go to gvclive.com. And there's all sorts of information about who's going to be on the show. It's going to be uh, me for the, for what that's worth. It's going to be uh, Sophie FK from the uh, Latte Firm and Tom Canton, or as Sophie calls him, Tom Canton. Um, and uh, we're going to have a few more people. We're working out some final details about some additional guests. Ruth Beck will be there with some art to give away, uh, which is amazing. And um, it'll be a fun time. Tickets are 20 pounds, which goes directly into uh, Gooners versus Cancer. We don't keep a penny of it. And um, and it also gets you a free raffle ticket for the grand prize of that night, which will be one winner in attendance at the end of the podcast. We'll be uh, winning a Arsenal signed shirt from last year, signed by about 10 to 12 of the first team players from last year. Which, uh, which we have thanks to uh, one of our viewers, Charn, who will also be in attendance there. So it'd be kind of weird if he won it because he, he donated it. Uh, there's a capacity, I think, of about 100. So um, we've got like 93 tickets <laughs> still available. Um, yeah, baby. You know, but you know, the, pr the hardcore promotion is starting this week, and it's, it, it'll, be, it'll be a nice uh, full house. My wife will be there, so you can kind of see for yourself how much I'm punching. And... Uh, and uh, come on, and let's see you. <laughs> Are you ending the pod? We'll That's see what you. Is, yeah, Are any of the three of you coming over? Mike's done, so we can just end the pod now. Yeah, I'm, I'm confused. Are you ending the pod right now, Mike? No. No. <laughs> no, I just thought that, you know, we were talking about All right, I'll see you guys. I hate cancer. <laughs> So now I'm just trying. I'm trying to do it when we have the peak of our viewership, like and uh, you know, because when people start getting I, tired and of, of hearing us, then then that's not the time to do the thing. This was sorry. We're, we're, this just this is Casa de Pepe right now. This is Casa de Pepe. This was a restroom break. Oh, also, I've been told that this is around a good time for me to say, uh, make sure you like the video and subscribe. Mm. There you go. We're gonna get that out of the way instead of doing this. Is the shirt, end. by the way. This is the, the shirt. That is a lovely. Um, Jared, alluding back to something that Andy mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast was uh, bringing up Ben White, and it's something that that came up in the documentary is his family is not a footballing family. He didn't grow up liking the, you know liking the game very much. Never watched it. I remember when he first signed with us, they asked him about it was a Patrick Vieira or another defender of ours and. He, he just pretty much said, yeah, I know nothing about them. I never watched football. It was not my thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Jared, do you care? <laughs> do you care at all? <laughs> I, don't mean, I don't mean who cares about this topic. I hope you, I hope you didn't take that personally. Yeah, I, I, yeah no, no I, just, I just deleted all my notes. Fuck it. Uh, no, who cares about that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Mike and I are in agreement. I don't care at all if he doesn't come from a family that watches football and he doesn't watch it and is – in his spare time, like if he's not watching Brentford versus United this weekend, I couldn't care less about anything in the world. I don't want to watch it either. 
and my only job is to be a fan. His job is <laughs> actually to play the game. But he, he made another kind of point when in his little segment, which I thought was good, is he said, you know, I was never an outstanding talent, like the standout star. I just worked way harder than everybody else. So if I've got a guy that's so committed to outwork all of his peers to make it to that level, I do not care if he likes to watch football in his off time. Our podcast yesterday, Mike and I were both talking about, we don't want to talk about insurance and in our time off. It sounds terrible. We do and it for I'm not from an time, insurance so family, but, I'm, but yeah, I'm not from an insurance family. My dad was a podiatrist and my, you know, and, and uh, you know, yet I'm incredible at it. So uh, that's all I care about for, for Ben White. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's so stupid, this whole night. People just want to pick mm -hmm. on people. And, yeah, and so, true. oh my God, he doesn't, he doesn't watch 168 hours of football minus the time he's on the pitch. My God. I, and watching I, film with the team and practicing, like he probably spends 60 hours a week on football as is. Like, how can you blame him for not wanting to turn it on TV when he goes home? You think it's he weird? <laughs> yeah, it, it's strange, but it's, you know, it, it doesn't like make him less of a player. Yeah. I, I always relate the Ben White criticism back to the Mustafi love back to the, the Arteta hate. I think it's all intertwined because what Mustafi Saliba, love? the Mustafi, yeah. Uh, it's a good thing he never watched football because he doesn't know who Mustafi is. He'd never yeah. seen him play. So he saved himself that effort. But no, but just you don't like Arteta. You buy this superstar player. That superstar player gets loaned out and you purchase another defender. So now that defender, Ben White, is a defender that Arteta wanted over Saliba last season. So he's who the one I don't like, and I got to praise Saliba no matter what. And I'm not dis disregarding Saliba's talent because he was absolutely epic. He played brilliantly versus Crystal Palace, and he's a, he's a major talent. But I think there that's the, that thought process is still lingering that I'm team Arteta out slash Saliba, so I can't possibly rate Ben White. So it's kind of just a stick that they use to beat them in a way. But uh, moving to the final points here, uh, Andy. Uh, uh, another uh, here's another one of who cares that Mikey might say the motivating the team with tweets. Like Arteta is well aware that you know the players are all young, they're all on social media. Um, they might feel the rem I'm, I'm not the ramifications, but they might see that and witness that way more than Arteta as far as Twitter goes. And you know, a younger generation does take these type of things a little bit more to heart, if you will. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, fair game on Arteta's behalf to use social media and point these type of things out. Yeah, why not? I mean, he drew a fucking picture of a heart and a brain holding hands. I think anything that um, links the players love that. to his emotions, right? So that really upset him. He kept that in his vault. And before the game, he just said, guys, I was really fucking pissed off with this. You know, and, and I think that shows the players like, hey, I, again... They know how passionate it is, but he's just showing the players, like, I'm connecting these dots that we have to go out there and write this wrong. You know, how many times do we love as fans to uh, give um, – who's that idiot on uh, talk sport? Um, whenever yeah, whenever Arsenal win lose, he's the they first one. When we win, we're the first people to tell him, like – this is Arteta turning around to Ivan Tony, being like, go fuck yourself. You know, like th this pissed us off. So yeah, does it matter? No, but I think Arteta has great ways of sequencing. Hey, this is how we're going to motivate the team. Um, yeah. And they're, and it's not, they're, they're unique. I mean, what we've seen, and again, 
I, I hate to have to keep saying this, but you know, we know it's tailored and edited and so on, but, but he's not, he's not doing the same thing before every game. There's been some, you know, where he's t- had a soft touch somewhere. He's had a very hardcore touch. I don't think, I, I love the fact that he uses, uh, what do they call it? Uh, I mean, th- this is common in American sports. When someone says something in the media, you put it up on the what is it called? Like the poster board or the uh, yeah, like bulletin board or you know, white board material. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you it, you you use the the players' comments. Whether it's uh, I think he even made a comment at one point about he was going to talk about what the Wolves players said about us dancing like we had won the Premier League, but but then uh, Ukraine and Russia happened. Uh, so he would have he would have used that tactic there, and he even said he was going to use it. But then he, you know, there are bigger things going on in the world. So you know, I, I'm all for that. I mean, mo- that would motivate me, unless I was like super close with Ivan Tony on the side. But like, but that 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 would be motivational to me. And and you know, as long as you don't dip into the same tactic too often and become predictable and lose your you know, lose the gravitas of what you're trying to do. Um, you know, that's that's proper man management, in my opinion. Thirteen. Uh, Daniel Robert with a comment about what is more important to, for the Gooners, the journey or the destination. I don't know if you guys interpret it this the same way as, as yeah, I There's did, a whole controversy I, about this too, though. Well, look, I just, this is what I found funny, and maybe it's just me, but like, that's like, hey, Mike, what's more important, option A or B? You're like B. I'm like no C, just because he like he said the journey destination. The company. La- yeah, Laka tried his best. Like fuck it, I'm gonna go with the destination. He's like no bitch, the the company. Like well, that wasn't even an option. What the fuck? Yeah, how dare you? That? Dude, I found that was so hilarious for some that, reason. That is just- pretty funny. I didn't. I was thinking more of the controversy about how you know people are getting up in arms about you know him essentially singling Laka out to ask about this in the direct wake of, of Aubameyang being banished and, you know, his, his closest friend and, and, you know, it, it was seemingly kind of a very directed question about that to him. But um, what is the right answer to that? Well, I think uh, it, it's open to interpretation. Like what's the, like, What's the journey the of a thousand miles begins with a yeah. single step. Yeah, like, it, well, what's the destination? Is the destination the Champions League final? Is it lifting I... a trophy? Like, w- w- it's all up into interpretation, right? Like, I think that's the understood kind of the yeah that the destination is is reaching your goals, whatever that may right. be. Right. So then, so then it, it it's all about like it's the interpretation of the player. And we don't know that he didn't go around and ask every player in the room. They're not going to show that on all nothing. He went to his captain first, asked True. him, and then maybe he went around, you know? So it's just like, so why, so why, can't, why say, can't Arsenal fans just watch something and not have to have a fucking conspiracy theory behind I it? Because we, we, we need to know, bag of we folks. need to know whether it's a rabbit or a duck. That's why Andy, we need to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> all I saw was the duck, and and, and it took all, me a long time to see the rabbit. Now all I can see is the rabbit. Yeah, when Atleta said the, there was a rabbit there, I'm like, hold on, you're stupid. There's nothing there. Hold on, I'm like, oh, there it is, son of a bitch. <laughs> so we're, we're gonna, or whatever it sounds like when he says it. Yeah, fucking fuck, fuck. Okay, so I just like how he pulled that up so quickly. 
he drew the heart and the, the brain and the, and the guy holding up the scarf really quickly. Like, I think Arteta might be part magician because he's just pulling all this shit. Just he, out of he, pulled, he, he pulled a rabbit and a duck out of the hat. Yeah. <laughs> he certainly loves the visual aid. We part know that magician. for sure. Well, he, he wears a ma- maybe he wears a magic hat. Uh, so I got one more question for you, gentlemen, just talking about the documentary, and then we're going to move on to a few user questions. I see that we already have like a few, like six or seven start. We'll go by that. But uh, Jared, all, just awesome. yeah, just on a on a personal le- level, Jared, we lived through those games. Watching the highlights of that Manchester City and the Liverpool game was it. It was a fucking gut check for me. Like I, I did not like. I knew everything that happened, and I still deep like. I don't even want to watch the last two episodes. Like, I, I'm with you. The Manchester City one, especially. That's probably the most upset I've been the way a game in a long, long time, because for 70 minutes of that game, we went out there, and for that period of time, we were the superior team on that day, and to not get anything out of it was you know devastating to us as fans so you have to imagine the impact it had on the team was you know tenfold to what it is all of us just sitting at home on our couches watching it because they really did everything they needed to do to come away with something and to have it just not work out had to be devastating and i hated watching that back that was the one for me that i I didn't want to see again but when you sprinkle in i mean i didn't know arteta spoke to them as though he was there before the game you know and i didn't know he gave the halftime talk and the post-game talk from that screen mm-hmm. which you know i mean that was interesting i mean you you'd like to think that he was as involved as possible which looks like he was but you know the way he handled that um was appropriate i think i mean i you know again it made him look good what hasn't mm-hmm. made him look good so far in this but uh but i mean so yeah, watching the game highlights, it yeah, it's a little nauseating. Uh, but uh, but I liked how they kind of filled it in with the before and the after, which is why I'm not completely not looking forward to the last two episodes, because I mean I know that we shit the bed against Tottenham. We got really kind of not robbed, but we but but like screwed on every possible thing. And then we shit the bed on our own accord against Newcastle. I would like to see how it was handled before. Do you guys that. follow Formula it was One? McFarlane again versus Spurs. Do you guys watch Formula One? Yes. No. Do you watch the the series on Netflix? Yep. So I started following Formula One when Lewis was a rookie, and even though going into that Drive to Survive documentary, I knew Lewis totally got fucked. It was more or less the, well, oh, Jared, I love Alec. <laughs> I, I don't even, I don't even know what that just was. I'm, I'm yeah, so that, lost I, I, right I've, now. I've understood troops more uh, clearly than uh, what that was. It's clear based <laughs> off of Jared's look that he will blow Max to the max. I'm uh, actually not a Verstappen uh, fan no. at all. <laughs> Jokes aside. Going into that, knowing kind of what happened in that final race, it was more the behind the scenes that I cared about, right? And like in that particular moment, like hearing all those drivers be like, well, how is this fair? What the fuck, right? You hear all 20 on the grid reacting to a really shitty situation. That's what I'm looking forward to these last two episodes is we all know we shit the bed. But there's obviously a narrative with this documentary for Arsenal fans. If you're a, if you're a neutral, you're just watching this for entertainment. But for all of us, 
we're seeing the behind the scenes of like, hey, great, we were on the cusp of Champions League football, but clearly there's six or seven gentlemen at the club where that wasn't even in their thought process. And we saw that in January, as all the fans would have, we would have been like, splash the cast, splash the cast, we're in touching distance, but they were stay the course. Like, we'll see what, we'll ride this out and we'll see what happens. And that's what I'm kind of interested in. And we also kind of have the beauty of watching this documentary with hindsight of what happens three months after with Jesus and Zinchenko and some of these other signings where it's like, hey, Europa League didn't stop us from nabbing some world-class athletes. So I'm kind of interested more like hers. I know I'm going to be on your page. I'm going to be pissed off and furious, but I'm also interested to see how Arteta handles it, how Edu handles it. And, you know, frankly, um, how the players do too. Yeah, that's a I really want to see good how point. Pablo Mari handled it. Yeah, from from Udinese, from like like, from, like they from showed him. I just remember that he was on loan last year. <laughs> that's a really good point, Andy. Because after the Manchester City game, the team talk wasn't like I thought there was going to be more anger. But like you said, like, I think they came out and said we were the best team from here to here. We didn't finish our chances. That's that's how you finish off these big teams. And so yeah, that that's a good point as far as the how how the players and the managers are going to react to this. So we are going to deep dive into the user questions. Mikey, I'm going to start them off. We're going to do you know, a quick little rapid fire for all three of you guys. If we do... And quite a good job of hosting today, by the way. I have to say. I appreciate that. It's almost like you host a, you know, a podcast. Yeah, it's as, if, it's as if he has another pod. Hey, and can we talk about other pods for a second? It's he's importing his experience but from a different... But it's am, not... I'll tell you what, it's not another Arsenal podcast. Though. Here I am uh, this afternoon just working away, and I'm like, oh, I see Canton's little notification count, and I see that fucking whore, that podcast whore, Jared, on there. <laughs> and I think to myself... That's now. Did he give us like a hey? We're gonna be on live later. Sure, right? But not on Canton's pod, dude. Shouted out the open hey. mic tomorrow after the game. Shouted out the live event that he's gonna be a part of. Well, yep. he wanna... shouted that out. But guys, I'm declaring it now. We're going to war with uh, TGD. <laughs> yeah, wait, way, way to do that. Two weeks to the day before his wedding that I'm going to be attending. <laughs> or, or not. Or not. Well, Maybe actually, you might not let's, be here. Let's leave it for two Can weeks. Can he block because... you from the wedding list? No, um, not at this point. But let's, Mike is going to go to war after that wet, during that wedding. <laughs> so uh, I will declare it now. Let's wait for Mike to do it in person. Boys and girls, question number one. I hope to get some <laughs> seriously good content from that wedding. Hey, question, Mike. Are you taking uh, the wifey to the wedding? Yeah, of course. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's Steph is coming with me to the wedding to the. That was probably game. a condition of him getting invited is that she had to be there to yeah. chaperone. <laughs> yeah, she like like Tom told her you he could come, but you have to look over him. Yeah, Guys, I didn't want to say I, this. I, if you've met Steph though, she I, believe me, she, I'm not the one that has to be looked after at a at a at, a, at an event with an open bar. Hey, Mike, <laughs> next comment highlighted for you. Yes, uh, I saw that. Yes, I will be enter. I will be entering and leaving Georgia multiple times throughout. The- <laughs> oh God, Garrett um, Canton did ask me. He's oh, like, hey, shit. do you think do you think Michael notice if it's non-alcoholic at everything? Because I just I can't have him ruin the day. No, my, no, Steph, Steph, I'm I'm really excited for this because Steph will be with me for the wedding. She'll be with me for the Fulham game with all the the normal crew. Uh, she'll be with me for we're going to. Um, to the ABBA, like avatar experience. This is this was my compromise for her. 
uh, it's something by uh, by the by near by where West Ham plays. It's at, like at the Olympic Stadium. There's like a indoor ABBA concert that's just like holograms and stuff. Uh, don't ask. And then uh, she'll be with she'll, she'll be with. Sounds me like for the something year. Andy would be going to. to no, be honest. I, seriously, you went to Backstreet Boys and you're and hey, you're, you're, I you're have, my my fucking family love ABBA. And when I got married, I had it in our contract that if any ABBA got played, because I hate that band, I got to uh, destroy the DJ's laptop. And so it was in I the. Thought you meant throughout the course of your marriage, like like no, every time no, got played, I'm, you have like a free run at somebody else. I cannot it's, stand when she's that mad word. at her ringtone. Oh, Steph loves Mamma Mia. I mean, that she, okay. Steph and Allie are just they love Mamma Mia, and and watching the two of them like in these rare moments where 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 Allie's home from school and there's four bottles of red wine empty on the counter, and they're just Merlot Mike. It's hilarious, Merlo but Mike. I'm gonna have to um, Google but, search what Mamma Mia and ABBA is. By the way, I have zero clue what you people are talking about right now. You're too young and you have too many penises. Uh, Fair enough. We're, we're, we'll be going to the wedding. We'll be going to the 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 Gunners versus Cancer event. She'll be coming to Villa with me. She's going to Manchester away with me. It's uh, it's gonna be fun. She's basically she's just tagging along while I do all the things that I normally do. Yeah. So so she's basically. And then we're going and then we're going to Abba and well we're going to Amsterdam. So uh, that was that was something that she wanted to do as well. So basically, what I'm what I because well, I know Mike now. I've known him for 13 years. Um, <laughs> Mike is going to walk into this Abba exhibit. You've ghosted him for 10 of those years. Be in there for 20 minutes. Absolutely have a hissy fit. He's not having fun, and he's gonna storm out with with Steph, and, and then he's gonna be like, "Okay, we gotta jump on the train to go up to Manchester for a match." <laughs> no, I'm no, I'm gonna enjoy that, and and yes, before anyone has to ask, I will be wearing a diaper. <laughs> thank you, thank you for knocking out that question. I because I because I don't that. I don't. Oh, is that was that one of our questions? <laughs> okay, damn <laughs> Do you need to wear a nappy for this journey? <laughs> I'm telling you, man. It's uh, just don't just don't overuse one. I mean, you have to change them every once in a while. But uh, but yeah, oh, it was it was enlightening. Twenty seven hours. Okay, so. we have been waffling for the last ten minutes that I'm actually able to podcast. So what I'm going to do right now is give myself an outro, and I will let Mikey take over. Uh, the, the I got I got to leave soon too. So you guys said you, you guys said an hour and a half. It's only been an hour seventeen. I said I said I have a hard stop at three p.m. UK. I yeah, believe gonna, go. nine minutes from now. All right. Yeah. So we got so nine minutes. Let's wrap this shit up. Let's go for it. Question number one, Jared. Forbade Mike to leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll call off sick from work right now for you guys. Don't worry. Uh, cue for the panel for Jared in this instance. Now, have you seen? Now that you've seen All or Nothing, was it good that is a good thing that Alba turned up at Barcelona? Yeah. So since you got a hard stop, we'll go through these quickly. Yeah, I think it ended up being a really good thing for Arsenal. It sort of he did it to kind of press our hand, but in a lot of ways, I think it pressed their hand and. We ended up getting kind of the best case scenario for us, and that we got him out the door, and we're not paying anything for him this season. So it was all good. Love it, Mikey. Two goals for Marquinhos in the U twenty one versus West Ham. Do you think he's headed towards the first team as back of Asaka? You, can you he can he replicate what Martinelli did? Yeah, well, what Martinelli did, and and frankly, kind of what maybe not exactly the same way what Guendouzi did in his first year, where. You know, he seemed to. You, you assumed we were buying him for the youth team, and then he just played so well they couldn't keep him out of the first team uh, until he until he turned into an asshole. 
Um, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll know, we'll know in two weeks, whether we sign somebody. And if we don't, I'm sure he'll, he'll be in the, uh, in the traveling squad on the first team. I, I, I would rather that not be the case. I want him to have a year to not, you know, not have to be in that position because you can set somebody up to fail by putting them in there too early. Marquinhos is super young, man. Super young. I do believe if they sign a winger, I feel like it's almost obligated uh, to loan him out because he, he'd be wasted here. Uh, Andy, would you have a Teta as a partner in Pictionary? Did we just take a picture? There was like a noise a second ago that sounded like someone was taking a picture. Like, a, it's not, all right, never mind. I didn't hear anything. Um, no, uh, yeah, dude. Are you kidding me? You play Pictionary with both his passion and his ability with a pen and a very short amount of time. You're winning every. You're undefeated. Or he'll give you the hairdryer, uh, freaking thing. If if you don't, <laughs> coming at you, well, Jared. Though, talk to do me. we know if he drew the duck rabbit? Oh, he didn't draw that. No, that's oh, been around for that's a, that's years. A, that's yeah, he he popped his like he was in the middle of a conversation, popped his iPad up, and like, oh, here's here's the duck rabbit. Wow. <laughs> people think that he actually drew that. No, I'm kidding. No. I'm just saying he's incredible at art. That would be if he did that though. Like if he just said, "Give me a second to start sketching," I would have laughed my. That would have been fucking brilliant. Jared, what what has surprised you the most on All or Nothing about Arsenal? Hmm. I, I guess so far, maybe some of the players we haven't heard much from, which maybe they'll be a big part of the last two episodes, but especially, I don't know when this was all finalized and the final editing was done, but kind of knowing that Martin Odegaard was likely going to take over the captaincy, I'm a little surprised we haven't seen more of him or heard more from him. But that said, maybe these last two episodes, it'll focus on him a little bit more. But that's kind of the main thing I noticed watching him the first time through. Was that question from 312 Gunner or 312 Gunner? Uh, the first one was from 312 Gunner, and this Andy. one is from 312 Gunner. Two completely different people. Uh, for Mikey, did you feel better, worse, or no different about the Alba situation after watching episode four, five, and six? I, I feel better that we are out of the Alba business. I mean, I I, did, I already felt pretty good about that, so but I feel even better now. As uh, I think Garlic said, it was the beginning of the process, so and a very important process. So, for those of you that wants to know all the finances, uh, there's a there's a podcast called Mike Shows You the Money, and Mikey will explain to you how beneficial uh, some of those uh, terminations were. Andy from Lim yeah. Simpson. <laughs> this is an hour of me going like this. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, I took that I had to be. Oh, sorry. It was it was more common actually, but it was it was revolving oh, the, the journey. So <laughs> I know amateur hour. I'm so sorry. How Mike many used times to yell at me so much because he used to like back when we first started this, we legit like almost scripted it, and it would be like red would be Mike talking, blue would be Andy. Oh wow! Get, and it was back when people would email us questions. And he knew that I'll, I never looked at what he did until like right when we went live. So he would like text me before and be like, dude read the question because i just did what you did i'd be like well no a couple times i'd put something in there where where like you know and question, I'd be like, i'm a child molester <laughs> and, and he would start reading it and then be like oh dude. dude i was basically um uh ron burgundy i would just read what was in front of me he did that thing i think unai like it was unai or another spanish coach gave a player like uh, a usb for homework 
and he came back and the guy was like, did you do the homework? And the player was like, yeah, I did the homework. And Unai was like, there was so nothing was in the USB. It was empty. It was empty. <laughs> That's Mike. Mike was like, Andy, did you read the questions? I read the questions. I didn't send you anything. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> uh, oh, another question about, hey, dude, Andy, you are the guy with Atleta questions about drawing. How many times do you think Atleta practices his drawings ahead of time? And why is it more than 10? Well, I think his wife told us he's in that office for three hours a day. So clearly he's doing something in there and it's, you know, not all tactics. So, you know, he's got to be just, well, that. So 30 <laughs> seconds there. So, yeah. I could I, tell that some of these questions were started by Mike, by the way. Just <laughs> There's a lot of picture questions going on over here. Last question that we had from our lab chat. Thank you so much. Uh, user questions. Are, are we still calling them user questions, Mikey? Of course we're still calling them. We've made that up. I we use, can't let Tom Canton just take that over without... Use without... hashtag user questions. Yeah. Jared, do you think that we will hear about that, that this contract extension in the next couple of episodes? Of episodes? That's one I hadn't really thought about. I'm inclined to say probably not much. I think it'll get mentioned and maybe be like a two-minute segment, but I don't think it'll be a real lengthy piece of the next couple. I think it'll just kind of get mentioned that it happened and they'll move on. <laughs> okay. Lovely stuff. Mike, we are finishing up at a perfect timing. Would you like to give us the actual, sir? Absolutely. Um, Mike, first of all, uh, another great, not another Arsenal podcast on Monday night. Well done. I, I was able to watch most of it. Um, and uh, the, the debut of, of John from Virginia uh, was was good. I've I've met John. I, I know that he's uh, he's a good talker and he knows this stuff. And it was nice to see that translate to uh, to the, the small screen or whatever we we call this. So uh, so good job there. Um, go to not another Arsenal podcast to watch that. You can see Jared on his podcast called The Gooner Talk TV. Uh, <laughs> it's on various times throughout the day. And uh, and Andy uh, is is seemingly falling back in love with football and podcasting you'll have to see it and leaving he's got blackmail on me guys uh, i do i do he's 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 in hard this season so uh we will be on an hour after the final whistle tomorrow so that will be six o'clock p.m uk time one o'clock p.m eastern time open mic i want to see as many of you guys as possible please it'll be gooneropenmic.com Ladies and gentlemen, please join me. So I'm not just sitting here by myself, and because uh, that sucks, I, I have nothing to say. And I hope that we win. Final prediction for tomorrow: I'm going three-one, Mikey. Three-zero, Jared. Three-zero, Andy. Two-all. Son of a. Well, on that note, on that note, we are out of here. Come. <laughs>